Back to give the people what they want. I'm Jonathan Marcus, director of High Performance West, and this is the High Performance Podcast, episode number three, with my good friend and colleague Mike Smith, who is the director of Northern Arizona Cross Country and Track and Field in Flagstaff, home of the back-to-back men's NCAA Cross Country Team Champions. And today I asked Mike to focus on two elements critical to high performance. One, execution, and two, coping. So I asked Mike about execution, how he defines it, thinks of it, articulates it to the athletes he's worked with, and how he also debriefs and has reflections and discussions post-performance with every athlete about objectives executed and not. And then two, coping. My favorite quote from Mike Tyson is, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. So I asked Mike Smith how he builds the mental skills portfolio of athletes he works with to be able to cope in the heat of the moment, on race day, no timeouts, on their own two feet to make heads up decisions that are going to propel the athletes he's working with to meet the objectives and execution and deliverables that they set before and going into the competition. These are two very difficult questions. Mike obviously has a deep and profound understanding of performance and high performance time and time again, working with and delivering national championship programs to the podium. So let's sit back and get the thoughts from my good buddy, Mike Smith. Thank you, Mr. John Marcus. Uh, Happy to be here and always uh, happy to talk with you about these subjects. Appreciate it. So, you know, let's get a little loose. Let's get a little frisky. Let's talk about things that are fun. So you're here, where you're coming from me live in the beautiful state of Iowa, Ames. Yeah, that's yes. it. Yes. Oh, man. We, the- uh, we talk about grad. Well, no, I won't say that. Which, uh, we are- <laughs> We're happy to be here. We are Good. happy. Good. That's what I like about Mike. No matter where he is in America, he and the Lumberjacks are always happy to, to be Happy to be there. Yes. Yes. Um, so... Well, let's dive right into it. Execution, right? You're getting ready for championship track racing now. I mean, stop me if I'm wrong, but the Lumberjacks are always in the hunt for the Big Sky conference titles indoors and out. So this man does not stop thinking about championships, whether it's cross-country, track indoor, track outdoor, top of mind year-round. So that's why we brought him in. And we know a big part of winning is something you hear a lot. It's called execution. Now, it can be a rather opaque term, I hear football coaches, basketball coaches, oh, we just got to execute. We didn't execute. What does that mean, right? So for you, Mike, you know, let's take it through a 35,000-foot view and then maybe go hyper-specific boots to the ground, you know, actual race execution. What is it? How do you define it? And what are some objectives um, that your athletes have going into championship meets that you can hold them accountable to and they themselves accountable to and be really explicit about um, achieving or not achieving? Sure. Um, yeah, I think this, I think this is crucial because it's, we, I, I think people are confused on this, uh, sometimes and, and not just athletes, but coaches, um, as well. And I think one of the, one of the key pieces when we're talking about execution is execution, uh, to me is independent, is an independent piece of evaluation, independent to result. You can have, Hey, we can have the we can have a, a a certain result. We could win and not execute. We could execute um, and and not win. Right. And I th- I just think the evaluation of execution we have to really isolate 
to uh, execution in itself and not necessarily results. And because I, I'll see people that don't execute and, you know, and we get a certain result and then we don't even evaluate because we think it was all about result. And that's uh, just a real missed opportunity. So um, to me, execution, um, just plain and simple, is uh, it's, it's an evaluation of uh, how we followed a, a course of action or our plan effectively um, as, it, as it pertained to um, what piece in the race uh, we were looking at it as our, part of our process. Um, and races uh, serve multiple purposes of, in our process. Um, and a byproduct is the result. Um, but so let's talk about the result because, you know, winning does matter. And you and I are talking offline before about everyone wants to work hard. And I think something that I noticed, you know, talking with uh, various high performers, you know, in our field, like Chris Linsky or Alan Webb, is they worked hard. Their work ethic was high. But the work right. was always to win. They were working to win every rep, every step, every mile, every lift, every sprint was work that clearly in their mind was a means to an end of winning or being in, you know, uh, fitness or capability to win. So, you know, since, again, you have that championship pedigree and you've done it more times than not here recently, take me through what execution explicitly looked like for the Lumberjack men this fall at NCAA Cross? Like, what was the execution theme that you said, guys, if we do this, I think we'll have a shot to be competitive? Yeah, sure. And, and just, I just want to let you know that to me, you know, the win, we got to be careful with what winning is. And, and just to make sure that we define winning can be, you know, hey, look, you know, for a team trying to be top 10 in the NCAA, top five in the NCAA, for, for you know, winning could be a qual- qualifying for something. We just have to define that winning, uh, you know, sometimes isn't actually finishing first, and right. we yeah. really uh, quantify what, what you know what winning is. And so, the, I, to uh, me, I know stop me if I'm wrong, but to me, winning is meeting your intended objective. It's high integrity. It's right. saying I yep. want to do this, and then my actions follow my intentions, and then I mm-hmm. won. So if I say I want to break 4:30 in the mile, and that to you is for every reason, you know, your goal or your your objective or your intent, and then your actions you know, lead you to doing that, you won. You won right. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, if you, uh, you, are you familiar with, uh, what drives winning, uh, um, uh, Ledbetter, right. Yeah. And yep. um, he's got a, he's got a great point. He's talking about basketball. He says, first thing anyone who wasn't at the game asks you is what was, uh, how many points did you score and did right. you win? Right. And, um, uh, and, and the, it's such an equivalent to our sports. Like, Hey, you tell, uh, you know, our kids, you know, the come home for Thanksgiving and say, um, you know, their, their relatives who weren't at their cross country meet or don't know anything about cross country say, uh, what was the, how fast did you run the 10 K? What was the time? And, uh, did you win, you know? And, uh, and so the whole point is it shows you what these other people value. And in turn that trickles into, because I'm working with young people here that trickles into what the athlete values. So these kids are programmed to value time and did you win and i find my job is often doing reprogramming of mm. what we're valuing we got to reprogram what we value okay so hey so we're not going to value necessarily um you know we, we didn't win the ncaa championship by saying hey guys we're, you know we're going to run this certain time um or this is all about winning and i think that the people that get lost in in some of the outcomes uh are really missing those opportunities to execute um you know, on the inside and, and it straight up just comes down to what are you valuing? Right. So we, uh, 
we were valuing a, a very process-oriented uh, race, which we thought was going to lead us uh, to a place um, where we'd, we'd be very difficult to beat. And winning may be a byproduct of that. Um, we uh, we looked at some unique aspects of the course. We looked at some unique aspects of the weather. And we looked at unique aspects of how uh, our personnel were trained. We're, we're trained at altitude, uh, aerobically strong. Um, we, we knew that uh, some of our people were uh, going to be able to absorb certain paces with a really fine uh, – contained range of outcomes. And so um, we defined, we came up with our execution based on um, who we had and uh, what we were looking at. So in that context of that race, what were your benchmarks through the process of the race? Did you have clear at 2K, at specific, or at this tree, or on the third lap? Or, you know, was there key moments where it was like, hey, at this benchmark, we you want to see this action? Or was it more an interpretation of, um, you know, kind of more the artistry of it. Let's see at this key stage where we know it's open field and it's windy and where the race is and what other people are doing and then responding to, um, again, the reality of racing in the moment and say, and giving them a decision tree that if this happens, do this, if that happens, do this, if this happens, do that. What did that, those benchmarks look like, or, you know, were they a little bit more, um, you know, organic and coming from the athlete. Yep. So um, the, the first thing I'll tell you is the, we, we did a lot of research on um, the two times the NCAA championships have been run on this course. So that in, uh, in 2017, we were on the Louisville cross country course. Um, NCAAs have been run there in 12 and also 15. So um, we just had, we, we had to, massively analyzed the data from those two races and we saw a really unique trend which was um over a 10,000 meter race where you were at 2k uh plus or minus there were a few outliers but in two years of data for the top 100 there was very little there there was very little bleeding of points mm. and 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 not a lot of moving up like you see hmm. uh, like you'd see in Terre Haute okay right. in Terre Haute Tactical first 5K, and then you got you saw guys finishing 35th who were 75th at right. the 2K, right? Yeah. Um, what we saw in 12 and 15 from analyzing these results was um, that we, you know, the people that were in 75th at 2K finished 57th, but they didn't finish 27th. Mm. Um, and so that really told us that because of how flat this was and how firm the ground was, um, there were we were going to be able to access paces that made it very hard to move up. So, hey, look, if we're going to be, you know, nine minutes to nine, ten at two miles to move up 40 spots. I mean, you're talking about you got to be in 75th place and run, you know, what, eight, eight fifty for two miles. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes. you know, you're, who's going to be able to do that right. versus um, if you're only running, you know, if you're 940 at two miles, uh, a lot of people can do that. Right, so right, right. Um, a big thing was just analyzing. And, and, and so the race plan was designed um, off of studying the 12 and 15 hmm. uh, splits. And we knew that we had to position aggressively and then keep the pace hot. Right. And so um, we, we knew that if we were winning at 5K, um, based on the 12 and 15 results, not many people are going to move forward, but also we're so strong. Right. So that's why, you know, Hey, we we put those guys up there, and if you look at the splits, it's it's like we uh 
we were we were winning at every split, 2K, mm -hmm. 4K, mm -hmm. um, all the way through. And it was because of that plan to aggressively position. So I think execution for us is those guys had no plan for the last 2K. You know why? Because they um, we had our plan was all about um, that aggressive positioning and aggressive right. pacing very, very early on. And they knew that that last part was going to take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I if you ask the people I work with, they say, uh, you know, I, I I'm a guy who's like, you know, I won't believe it till the results are posted and things like that. I mean, oftentimes, like, I won't even, I won't celebrate, I won't anything, but yeah, the old Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. Right, right, but <laughs> but verify, yeah. And I'll tell you what, um, at five thousand meters into that race, I was I was standing alone, uh, way in a far section of the course, and uh, I, when I saw the the scores at halfway, I said, hmm. there, there, I don't know how any, not just are we going to win. It wasn't even like, oh, we're going to win. It was just, I don't know how any other team is going to be able to do this because right. we're too, you know, you can't do it on that course. Right. No, that's great. I mean, it, it sounds like your execution was get in a wing position and maintain the wing position. And if you do that, yeah, you don't have to worry about the end because you were already in a wing position. And then you, you just, you, you protect what you secured early on, you know. And, and I just, I also think that um, the way that we won I, I really talked to them a lot after about, listen, we got other teams can do to us what we did to them. Um, we we tried to um, um, punch them in the square in the nose, you know, at, you know, the, as soon as the bell in the first round. Right. Went, right. Um, and take them, you know, kind of take them off their game. And so by going out that hard, if you didn't have connection in that front pack early, um, you know, Hey, we're gonna put we were gonna put three guys up there, two for certain. Um, from just do the math on the points, like you would have to break us up somewhere there. Right. Um, and if you don't catch that bus leaving that station on that kind of pace early, we're not coming back on that exactly. course. Yeah. So, um, you know, a mile in, when I saw that it, strategically, some of the teams were trying to beat. You know, they didn't have people up there. I just let our guys know. Um, as long as that pace stayed fast, you know, it was we were going to make it really, really difficult. So, awesome. but the, I think the key is they have to know other people can do that to you. You know, if you just practice running in control, um, and I think that's the danger in the NCAA system. Some of these teams, they're in control all year long in every situation. You go up front, you control the pace, you're just racing your teammates, you're never out of control. The NCAA meet, you're out of control. Right. And that, kind of leads us, segues us into the second question. It's coping. Like you said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. You guys came out and you right. punched people in the face at the first step, which thankfully was your plan. But I'm sure there's been many times where it's like, all right, you have this plan, you have these you know, objectives you want to hit, but reality sets in. And it's like, now the question is, how do you build the mental skill side? So that in championships, your people can make decisions on the fly that are not the best, not the worst, but just good enough, but good decisions quickly. I always, you know, my definition of coping is exactly that, making good decisions quickly. How do you teach that to athletes to cope in the heat of, of the moment, especially in, you know, let's say distance running where you don't get a lot of like reps, you know, in basketball, football, soccer, mm -hmm. you get a lot of pitches, you get a lot of touches, you get a lot of time with the ball, you get a lot of reps in and you can you know, um, learn by doing in distance running in racing, there's only so many shots you get. So how that's a really important part, I think is sometimes often mis, um, interpreted or just ignored, unfortunately, because 
you got to be able to cope on the fly because there's no timeouts in our world, right? Right, absolutely. Um, I think we we I think it really ties to execution um, as well there, and, and and yeah, we have one continuous thirty minutes of racing where I don't get to pause and say, yeah. "All right, guys, let's you know let's go back out there and, and think about this different." And so, um, all the coaching is done way before that meet. Right. You know, right. people ask like, oh, you know, what are you saying to them out there? And what do you, you know, it's like, man, I, you know, we're I, I, the coaching for the championship in November. That's done in August and September and maybe the, the whole year before. And and I think one aspect of that in the coping is um, being really clear with what this is going to be like out there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a good monitor of that is like how we're how we talk to our freshmen that have never been in one of these things. And that's um, because, you know, our older guys have been in these NCAA championships, but Hey, a freshman, how do you describe like, look, man, you could run a great race and there could be 60 people in front of you. And, um, and you're just fine. And just being really clear with what this is and what it isn't, but the ability inside the moment to stay in the moment, to not leave the moment. We call it, we call it on task and off task thinking. Uh, We talk really upfront about it. It's training the athletes, to note, to be mindful of when they leave the moment. And leaving the moment could be, um, why is it hurting like this? Uh, what's What place am I in? What's going to happen? What are people going to think? Right. Uh, I thought I'd feel better today. Oh, there's so-and-so going by me. All of that is this reaction to the external that is not in the, not actually having it something to do with what they can control. Mm-hmm. Um, staying on task is staying within themselves, focusing on their competition, uh, our piece of our plan. And so giving them the skills to note when they are off task and to correct it and bring it back to on task. I think that's what our, our guys are really, really good at. And, and so that debriefing post-race that, you know, I, I don't like to call it post-mortem, but, you know, in your debriefs post-race or even post-workouts, is that a part of the conversation you're having with the athlete is how much time are you on task versus off task in our, you know, our workouts and or even prep, preparation races um, yep. viewed to that filter and lens to move them closer to be more mindful of their on task, on task, or on task, off task thinking. Correct. Absolutely right. So uh, uh, the debrief is this, the, the debrief has three pieces. It's execution, effort, and mind on task. Great. Those are three And I think almost every race, you can hit everything with those three things, execution, on task thinking. And so um, a real moment with our athletes is when they are observers of the on task and off task, because a lot of times they'll get to us and they, they'll have these races in high school where they were, they were totally dialed in in their mind and then others where they weren't, but they couldn't, it was just like the wind blew or it didn't, they couldn't right. tell you thing happening to them. When you teach them that actually this is something that they have control in, and and I can't, what I can't guarantee is that you're not going to have a bad day where you're not going to have to do a whole lot of correction out there. Yep. I can't guarantee that, you know. And sometimes I'll have athletes step off the track and they'll say, "Man, this was, I just had to keep correcting. I did, I did mm-hmm. hundred times in that race, I had to keep bringing myself back." But, and I'll have other times people step up and go, "Man, I'll be honest, that was just happening in my mind for me today, and that's great, right?" But I have to teach them. Nothing drives me crazier when talking about this stuff with coaches than are just like, focus, be right. mentally tough. What, well, if we don't teach them how to do that, then what the hell is, you know, what is that? Right. So, or you need to slip in the zone or get into your flow state. And it's like, yeah. that's super opaque. Like, what are some, I mean, I always tell people, it's the equivalent of us going as coaches to practice. And be like, All right, guys, 
Today, my repeats. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone would flip out on you. They'd be like, how fast? How many? How much rest? <laughs> like, how are we doing them, coach? Yet we're so specific in the physical preparation realm. Run these main miles, not these main miles. Run at this pace, not that pace. Recoveries this and not that. And then we throw them to the race and we just say, be tough. Be, be tough. Be focused. Right. right. And John, I, John, I'll tell you what. It's a sign of uh, often culture, I think, in, in, in our in our culture, uh, the handle that we ourselves collectively have on um, the mind. Mm. I think uh, the human experience too often is these thoughts are happening to us versus um, I actually have a say in what thoughts uh, I'm going to hold on to and which ones I'm going to let go of. Yeah, and, which ones you validate and which ones you just throw out as junk, you know, as we were talking about. Right, like, I have about... 10,000 thoughts are junk every day. And to me, I view it like a stream, right? It's like fishes or the stream. And every now and again, I see a thought and I pick it up and I pick it out of the stream and go, oh, is this good? And I'll be like, no, nope, throw it back. It's just like <laughs> going fishing. That's not a good thought. They keep coming. They keep coming. Right. But it's the person who tries to own every thought they have as like the right thought or a thought that they need to validate. Or that's like, that, 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 that's even them. That that's it. That doesn't have to be assigned to me. I don't have to own that. That I don't. That doesn't have to be me, right? Yeah, it that just, can, it, let yeah. that go. It just I passed can, through the wind. It's just like, oh, I probably own maybe one percent of my thoughts. The rest are right. just ninety nine percent that I have to filter and just be like, whatever, <laughs> move on. <laughs> you know. But until but until we teach athletes that they actually have a say in that that ability, and then even in a high emotion, high physical stress environment, that they can find that center and choose that. Mm. I mean, that I think is more powerful than any physical training I could assign someone. Um, because so in, inside the race, um, it's the ability to correct. That's what it is. It's not to be some monk where I only have on task thoughts. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's the ability to correct. It's the ability to say, oh, wait a second. I'm going to bring it back to my what, my what my form is doing. Okay, I'm going to bring it back to just – this lap, I'm going to bring it back to the back of my uh, teammate's jersey. I'm going to bring it back to uh, running just to this tree on the course. It's the correction that's the real tool. That's the teaching tool. Right. Oh, yeah. You couldn't say any better myself. So hmm. thank you, Mike. That is it for this edition of the High Performance Podcast. You know, Mike's a, a good friend and a fan and also one of the masters of craft currently in the NCAA system. And I'll bring him on again and again and again because you know what? He's willing to share, and that's what this is all about. So, Mike, thank you. Appreciate it. Until John, thanks time. for including me in part of, your, uh, part of this community, and, uh, and keep up the great work. Wow, that was awesome. Mike never disappoints. I always learn something talking to him, and I hope you learned a little something too. If you want to continue learning, you're welcome to visit highperformancewest.com. Every day we have a workout of the day and a daily blog post that's intended to share insights and thoughts and high performance and also just spur your own reflection as well. We put it on offer. You don't have to do what we do. You don't have to agree with what we do, but I hope you consider it and hopefully it helps you move to a higher level of craft as well as the people that you work with. Um, also too, you're more than welcome if you'd like to sign up and become a High Performance West member in some capacity. We have three gradients scholar, athlete, and polymath, as well as our Supreme Scholar offering, which is a 50-day tour de force mini seminar uh, that Steve Magnus and I are putting together. Season one 
coming up here starting February 26th will be focused on the track, 800 meter up to 10,000 meter events. And that's going to be just a lot of fun stuff that goes from the ins and outs and X's and O's of training from a scientific physiological lens, as well as a psychological lens, as well as a coping execution. I mean, a lot of stuff we covered here with Mike will be reflected on that, as well as too, just other uh, avenues for you to pursue for your own continuous education and um, betterment. So we're really excited about it. It's the first time we're doing it. I hope you consider participating with us um, because I'm looking forward to building this out and so is Steve. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you.